And we are back with another episode of Talking as a Free Action. I'm your host, Owen, joined again today with our illustrious co-host, Marvin. What up? And we are joined with a very special guest today, uh, JD. Say hi to the crew. Hey, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> doing good. Good, good. Cannot complain. So uh, today we have JD from the Stories and Sorceries podcast uh, joining us today, uh, in part because I, I recently guested on an episode of their uh, of their own show uh, in a special one shot that JD ran. So I was hoping to uh, kind of get his first thoughts on his uh, experience DMing and you know just kind of hang out for a little bit while we uh, have a good time. Cannot wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very good. All right, man. So uh, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, about you know, kind of how this came about. Uh, when when did you find out that you were going to be DMing? So after being in D and D playing actually for a short time, I kept hearing the group mention how our DM doesn't get to play very often as a player, and some of the guys don't DM that much and one of them prefers not to. So I was like, I have a cool idea. Why don't I give it a shot and see what happens? And that's how I began the one shot, the Isle of Wake. Very nice. So um, in your estimation, how did it go? <laughs> not according to my plan at all. And And my plan was just bullet points, but time frame very big key factor that you just cannot judge without experience mm. that's super fair uh, you know combat you didn't think would take very long takes a little longer things happen throughout the store you don't really plan to and being in a crunch time format you want to leave everything as short and sweet as possible and just hit those beats as fluid as you can. Yeah, it's tough, especially when you're running like in a one-shot format where like it needs to finish in a particular time frame. You really don't have that much time to get everything through. Honestly, if I would have did everything the way I had originally thought it through, it probably could have taken three or four sessions. I mean, I guess in some sense it's better to have more than you need than less. Yeah, there wasn't really a lot of information drop per se uh, with it. This whole one shot, um, just a little sneak preview, we're actually running a home game that I'm DMing as well. And this is a pre-sequel to that home game, so... a few things that happened in this home game was actually little bitty drops for the home game that the players aren't aware of yet. Okay, like a little okay. cameo. I hope you get to keep just, the canon about the uh, fairies. <laughs> oh yeah. Every, uh, in this home game, Will's character is a cheese connoisseur. This he <laughs> he is making famous illustrious cheese, and he's oh my become God. and he's become filthy rich within the very first episode. Oh no! 
That's what happens when you let the business perform based on a D20 roll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, Oof. I feel like that's just, like, growing pains as a new DM, right? Like, you just kind of have to make those mistakes and, and let it happen. I, I, I mean, I don't know if Will's going to hear this or not, but full discretion, I've been trying to rack my brain in every way possible how to dismantle his cheese chain that he has created and with only visiting one town okay so we can actually help out with that we're, i like to think that that marvin and i kind of founded this podcast on the idea of uh being kind of like a dm help podcast so uh originally yeah <laughs> so i actually feel somewhat qualified to to explain this um additionally my uh my good friend and well i guess our good friend bobby uh, once had a uh, very successful uh, brothel chain in a uh, Star Wars Sagas game that I was... Uh, oh my god. <laughs> that, I was, that I was aware of, uh, but did not participate in, that um, was very NSFW, but uh, but also similar situation, newer DM, didn't know when to say no. So <laughs> um, so yeah, lay it on us, man. What exactly is, uh, is this chain? What exactly is the, the role? What happened? Uh, so, whenever he originally started up this business, he asked me what it would cost on a weekly basis to st start the business, to get it running, to pay the help and everything. And I was trying to be fair, and I thought in my head, well, it's a upstarting business. Things, cheese, I don't think would be that expensive. So I was like, it'll cost you 50 gold a week to run the business. You know, not a big deal. First day a sale runs around. There's a woman trying to buy a wheel of cheese, and she's fighting over it with another woman. <laughs> <laughs> and this woman just is like, I'll give you 75 gold for that wheel of cheese. Are, are these women homeless by chance? Because I haven't seen people fight over cheese before, except in... Well, cheese in this world is a new delicacy that is just driving the people mad. I mean, the giants in this world, when they discovered of the cheese, they literally bought an entire year's supply. Oh my god! Okay. So, so what's the problem here exactly? I guess is my is my, is the short version of the question, right? Is the problem that the the player has too much disposable income and we need to ratchet that back? Uh, uh, yes, he uh, within the first day of sales, he made over a thousand gold, and it only cost him fifty gold a week. He, yeah, too much income. <laughs> okay, so so here's the thing, right? We can do this one of two ways. We could do this the above board way, which is we go to to Will and we say, "Hey, Will, your income and your costs don't make sense." So I'm going to cut into your margins a bit because. It's going to cost you more than 50 gold to run this. Or we could do this the fun way, which is to say the realistic way of what happens when a new monopoly is formed, right? Um, if Will is not spending time stomping out the competition mercilessly, then competition there will be, and corporate, corporate espionage there will be. Um, it is only a matter of time. So that that's at least my take. I don't know, Marvin, what do you think? Um. Also, how much how much about how much about cheese do we want this campaign to be? I guess is probably another question. Because ooh, like... that's actually a really important question. 
<laughs> I had no intention of this thing being about cheese whatsoever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he just, he, it was it was his backstory. He came he came from from some uh, farmers or whatever, and he had to fi- figure out a way to make some money, and it just wound up being he stumbled upon learning how to make cheese. Ah, so he got old cheese money. So so how about some new cheese money where someone mm-hmm. developed a new style of cheese or a new kind of cheese that he just doesn't know how to make? Because, like, there's hundreds of different flavors of cheese, and it only takes one new one to take him off of his high horse and to ruin his monopoly. Yeah, well, uh, I, I've, I've been thinking, so I've thought of the espionage thing. In, in in the competition thing. He's currently in a dire situation at the moment. He was on watch and he hung up his bag of holding and decided to climb in because that's where he stores all his cheese and makes it and all that stuff. Wait, can he isn't there only like a day's worth of air in there? <laughs> He's got himself the way he's done it, he strung the bag up with a rope, tied the other end of the rope to himself to lower himself down into the bag. So whenever he wants needs to come out, he can just pull the rope and pull himself out of the bag. And his party is asleep. And because of the smell, since the bag is open, I, I don't... Because I'm new DM, I don't know much about the bag of holding other than it can hold everything. And so I'm assuming with the bag open, the smell of the cheese is coming out. He's in there making the cheese. A pack of wolves have uh, walked upon the party, and that's where the session ended. Okay. So a couple things I've observed here. One, there doesn't seem to be a contingency for if someone cuts the rope. Wholeheartedly, there's no contingency. So, that's number one. Number two, just, uh, like, just, um, I don't know, you're the DM, you can make your bag of holdings do whatever the F you want, man. It's it's magic physics, Who no, nobody cares, right? Um, <laughs> rules is written, there is a limit to how big of a thing you can put inside the bag of holding. Like, as far as I understand it, I don't think it's technically like a pocket dimension, so much as it's just like a void. But, you know, again, you're the DM, you can make it however you want. But yeah, so like, if it's if people are aware this is what he's doing and how he's making the cheese, then I, I feel like the first thing I would do is I would cut the rope and then I would seal the bag shut and I would wait a couple of days and then I'd pull his cold <laughs> dead corpse out is what I would do. Um, if I were a entrepreneurial type who uh, was, was okay with this sort of, uh, you know, corporate shenanigans. Um, for someone who's maybe a little bit, who doesn't exactly... Uh, or I guess for someone who hasn't let murder enter their heart yet, um, I could also see someone trying to take over his business, hostile takeover style. Like, if he's not there to run it all the time, then who's to say that his employees, who presumably know how to make the cheese now as well, uh, you know, have a meet, you know, aren't going to just say, well, stuff this guy, I don't need him anymore. So I feel like there's a lot of options you have as far as how to deal with it. Um, other thing, too, is that, like, fads fade. Maybe people just are kind of over it <laughs> you know don't want to pay exorbitant amounts for for cheese anymore maybe the Very town that he's in is uh has exhausted <laughs> it's a uh, ex- disposable cheese income 
and has crashed the economy with the uh, <laughs> with the the creation of this cheese business. I think those are all options. Yeah, he's he's explicitly every action he's taken is is just to make me uh, be on my feet and and to sweat and see how I how I will uh, react to uh, the scenarios he's putting upon myself or myself putting it upon myself (laughs) (laughs) and how I'm leading him into this. But I've been contemplating multiple ideas of how to handle this. And I just can't wait for the next time we play a session because it's, it's going to be so fun because everyone's asleep. No one knows the wolves are there. He's literally dangling by a rope and you know, it's by the roll of the dice what the wolves do. They could um they could tear the bag of holding open. That's true. That's a huge issue with bag of holding. If you rip the bag, everything falls out. I did not know that. Oh. So oh. like I could imagine a scenario pretty easily where like even if we don't cut the rope and strangle him to death, because that's kind of mean spirited if I'm being honest. Um <laughs> like I'm I'm heartless, but I'm, come on. Um, so even if we don't do that, what we could do is, since he's not aware that these wolves are coming around, right, necessarily, he, he may not necessarily be aware. I guess we don't know, technically, if sound travels between the bag and the outside, but I guess you can make that determination. Um, but if he's not aware that this is going to happen, I could easily imagine the wolves trying to, like, jump and, like, bite the bag down or pull the bag down. And it only takes one of their teeth to pierce the bag for the v- magic to get voided and for all of his equipment and cheese to just spill onto the ground. That sounds awful. That sounds like it would be hilarious. That that would just oh oh <laughs> ideas. I guess ideas. then you get to roll whether or not his cheese making equipment falls on him. <laughs> oh no. So so here's what I did for their first initial combat when when they were left the town moving to their next town. I brought bandits in. Mm-hmm. Bandits typically melee characters. I made them spellcasters. Mm-hmm. That's rude. <laughs> oh, you know what? It was my first combat session. Completely balanced. They didn't nice. do any. They didn't really get to do anything. Anything to the party. They they made attempts. They basically failed almost every time. It was it was just. It, I was I had a blast. It was it was really fun because I'm basically letting these guys tell their own story because this is just for them to have fun and I'm just in there to be like yeah no or you know that kind of thing. I'm just let I'm just letting them go at it and it, it's it's been fun so far. Uh, if you ask me, that's how it should be most of the time when you're DM. Yeah, I mean, like fun needs oh. to be like your number one concern when you're doing just like a home game. Obviously, when you're, like, DMing an actual play, it's a little different, because now we have to, like, slant our mind towards, like, entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, like, home game, like, make sure everybody's having a good time. Like, that's the primary thing. It Like, that's why I say, like, I wouldn't cut the rope, because it doesn't seem like the party is that cutthroat, no pun intended. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I think about, like, what would be fun for the players, and I don't think Will's character, cheese-making character, getting, you know, suffocated to death in his own bag of holding is, like, my idea of fun, and I don't think it's his idea of fun either. Absolutely not. He would be mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mad, crestfallen. Uh, 
you know <laughs> all sorts of emotions. Uh, and i don't think fun is one of those experiences that he would that he would have um even in hindsight i imagine there would be some violence and, and you know, I think that's kind of where I went wrong with the one shot because I had the same kind of mindset going into the one shot. It was just for fun. But that uh, that fish, the beh- the behe mustache, yeah, yeah, <laughs> everyone's reaction to that was absolutely priceless. And finding that, I, I had to throw it in because I'm like, you know what? I know. They've probably never encountered this kind of creature before. And it would just be fun. <laughs> I, I've never had to fight a giant fish with a mustache. I can definitely confirm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to be fair, your two foot six of fairy strength was just unbelievable. Two foot one, sir. <laughs> <laughs> two foot one. I just like every time I had a strength saving throw, I kept rolling like a 19. I was just like, wow, this is. Ugh. This is great. <laughs> this man, this man literally caught. He was trying to, he was trying to stab someone off a cliff, and they fell. Uh huh. And he caught him. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 you will not die from falling. I will run you through first. You're not allowed to die until I say you can. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I think that was his exact line. I think that almost is. Like, no, you're dying on my terms or something. (laughs) (laughs) Mervyn knows me too well. Yeah, it's a problem. (laughs) For sure. So so thinking back on it, um, was there anything that you would do differently? um, Honestly, probably not. Because even though it really didn't go the way I hoped it to go, I still had fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And... I just I don't really I mean if I if if I made any big change it would be take out the first part with the boat ride and just have you guys start on the island that way it could have freed up 45 minutes to where y'all could have messed around there a little bit more Okay like like you started the story a little bit too early like you need to start it later in the timeline Yeah Yeah I could see that Which was it was only like a two or three day boat ride yeah, I, I think when you're running a one shot, you have to keep in mind like the um, like what story you're trying to tell, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, does the story of the boat ride add anything meaningful to the story that we're trying to tell? And it's like, yeah, I mean, we've got some hints that um, oh, what was it? Edward was uh, was it that was playing the uh the turncoat? Yes, the uh, Trenton. Yes, Trenton, he yeah. was playing the turn. Yeah, as remembering from his Discord name, it still says Edward on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> But but yeah, so um, so like other than like the hints that like Trenton was up to no good, uh, I don't really know that it added very much to the story per se, um, and, and that's I, what I, I had. About. I had a different plot line with that boat travel. It just, I I don't know. I didn't. I just didn't go in that direction. I, the energy just didn't feel right. So I, I just went with the flow of how everything was going instead of trying to control it i just let it roll as it as it went yeah it's definitely like um like you're just guiding the energy right like you can't control everything that's going to happen you just have to kind of direct it yeah and 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 i saw the mood that was going i was like you know what let's just 
let's just shuffle my feet and and just be quick about my wits and go with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely worked out. Um, I mean, I definitely had fun as a player. So, like, you know, good on you, man. That, that was a good time. <laughs> um, well, that was the whole point. Everybody have fun. Yeah, for sure. As it should be. 10 billion percent. I, I think that when it comes to, to DMing, like, that's always got to be your number one, right? Like, we, we want to make sure that, you know, your players are having a good time and, like, that we're circling back regularly to check that they are. Because, um, like, if you just run and you don't ever do that, like, you don't know. Maybe they're just too timid or shy to to tell you granted i don't think that's a problem with the with the with the other guys over at at sas but (laughs) i I think that that's something that can happen in in a normal game certainly Mm -hmm. i've i've started to become a a minor issue with the sound because i'm at the point now to where i'm becoming comfortable as a player and i'm getting too lax during the recording so Rob has been having trouble editing to where I'm loud enough coming through to the mic because in order to speak in my character voice, I have to speak a little loud and I'm sitting in close proximity to everybody mm-hmm. and I I naturally speak in a loud volume anyways. So I'm trying to be mindful of that. And so now I'm talking a little bit too low. So some future recordings might be a little difficult to hear what I'm saying. Yeah, that's kind of tough. I know when I was doing actual plays, one of the ways that we got around that was just having everybody having their individual microphone. Oh, we 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 do. Uh, I uh, I just I really enjoy my current character, and I'm so focused in on the story, playing as the character, that I'm forgetting my mic's right there, and I need to pay attention to my mic. <laughs> Okay, so you're not like speaking into the microphone, basically. For, uh, for the most part, yeah. And, and what's funny is, is I was the one that never really had that issue. I was being too loud on the mic, and now I'm the one being too low. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is very different, right? When you're playing a, a personal game versus like playing for an actual play, like there really is like a pressure to perform, you know. Well. I'll tell you, with uh, going into this campaign, too, I, I wasn't thrilled starting out. I grew up in the South. I've made this abundantly clear to the group. <clears throat> I've spent my entire life to not have a big Southern draw. Mm-hmm. And then they like saying Eldridge Blast in a country accent. <laughs> I blame Travis <laughs> and when I, him. <laughs> yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and i'm i'm pretty sure that's correct so uh. i didn't want to do it whenever i was playing a warlock i didn't want to say it like that mm-hmm. and after we uh tpk'd in uh season uh campaign one Trenton came to me and was like, hey, man, let's be brothers and let's have country accents. And I was like, you know what? Fine, Trenton. You want me to do it so bad, I'm going to absolutely run with it. <laughs> and the first couple of episodes, Bryn could not stand my voice. It was literally <laughs> driving him nuts. 
That's fantastic. <laughs> like, we should do country accents. She's like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I gotta tell you, though, by far, Eustace has been my favorite character to play out of the few characters I've played. I've played, I don't know, like six or seven different ones, but he's by far my favorite. Yeah, sorry they didn't win your uh, win your 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 uh, Royal Rumble poll. <laughs> Man, I'm I, I I can go into this. I, I I've had some some traitors. I've had some betrayal happen on the inside, and I don't know who it is, but I know someone's did it because I got my wife's phone. I got on her Twitter. She does not uh, get on Twitter or do anything like that with the group. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get on there. I'm going to give us a follow, and then I'm going to have you vote for this, and I'm going to vote for Eustace. And then I called two of my friends, and I'm like, hey, you guys <laughs> ought to vote for Eustace. And the reason why Tipping the scale. I was, I was one vote away from making it 50-50. And after, <laughs> and after calling three or four different people to get the vote to, to level the scale and just put me right over the edge just enough to win, <laughs> when I get back on Twitter and I check this poll, I went from being one vote away to three votes away, which means every single one that I called to ask to do it literally voted for the other character. <laughs> That's, a level That's of amazing. It's a level of petty I can only aspire to. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, but it, the joy. It, it's hilarious. I mean, I like Dragus. Dragus was fun because my I, playing Dragus, my favorite moment was... Um, I was peeking into this uh, some kind of aircraft thing, I guess, mm-hmm. and and sp- spiders like fell at my face. And Dragus is like a at this point in time timid, and I was going to cast a spell, and I accidentally cast Shatter as I was falling backwards, and I think that was my favorite moment. Uh, playing that character is because how I played that off so well it just seemed natural and I wound up doing damage to my own party members <laughs> uh, I'm very much looking forward to this one shot <laughs> to this, to this uh, battle royale one shot you have no idea Oh man, I cannot wait. Every every single one of us is pumped and ready. We are we are all just sitting there ready. I uh, I think let's see here. Have we I don't think yeah, we've done Trenton, we've done Bryn, we've done me we've only got Will's character left and I think we'll have everyone voted for. Who did they pick for Rob? His his is still going, it's not final yet, but I think Baz last I checked, Basil was in the lead. Mm, okay. Okay. I wonder who they'll pick for Will. That's a that's a tough one because he's normally the DM for you guys, so his character selection is going to be very very different. He he actually had enough to fill the four four character gap that uh that we all decided upon. Well, that's good at least. Yeah, I I, I don't know all of. I've only heard like two or three of his characters. Hmm. Interesting. I'll be really interested to see how it uh how it turns out for sure. 
Uh, cannot wait to listen to it once uh, once Rob gets it edited and posted. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. There's 15 hours left on the vote, and Basil is in the lead by one vote. Ooh, ooh, wait, hold on. I can log on to the, onto the, onto the uh, podcast Twitter and, and ruin it. Hold on. Wait, hold on. I can ruin it right now. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can do it. Because I have you not know, logged onto the, onto the podcast Twitter in a hot minute. So. Neither this, have I. This, this is what I love the most, is Albion, his Campaign 2 character, hasn't gotten a single vote. <laughs> <laughs> no love for Albion? Um, no love for Albion. I'm guessing um, Alfie is the other one that's competing with Basil? Yes, Alfie mean, is his campaign one. You mean the one that's tied with Basil now? <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like now we're going to have to conspire to, to tip it in, in Alfie's favor, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Hold on, wait, hold on. Basil has some fun wild magic, but Shepard, if Shepard wins, everyone is dead. Nah, bro. You got I got this. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be totally fine. I, the only thing I'm, I'm kind of bummed about is that, like, I really love uh, brewing monsters. Like, I love brewing, like, homebrew monsters, and I am so disappointed that I can't include any, any NPCs in this. Oh man, that yeah, because it's about a royale against all that. That would be kind of fun. Another right. time, right? Once my yeah. Twitter followers see the post, Alfie's getting those votes. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to post in the after stuff Discord. Oh, I just retweeted it. <laughs> post an after stuff. I'm sure Elvis will see it. <laughs> you guys forget we actually know people sometimes. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my God! I will say one thing is that with Alfie, um, the question then becomes what to do with Sheila. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, if you let Sheila operate the way that she's always operated, she will move on his turn and give basically give him three attacks per turn. Uh huh. Or more, depending on the level. Well, because she's basically an extra combatant, right? Yes. Hmm. And she can give him a power buff as well. Like, she can help him deal extra damage or something. I see. I suppose I will cross that bridge when we get there. Mostly, I just want to force Rob to do another Australian accent. (laughs) He loves it. He, He... To this day, still blames my character Dave <laughs> for his for Alfie's death, which, in all fairness, is is true. I I, I was you own it. <laughs> I I messed up. I had I had no intention, and and here's what made the wound that much saltier. Is is after the fact of this happening and everything that happened and transpired because of what I did, mm-hmm. I checked my inventory. I did it for no reason. I still had two mm-hmm. more hand axes in my bag. Oh, no. <laughs> Rip. You ran after the axe and forced them to aggro him instead, and you had more axes. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Rip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I did. You know, when you called you guys and... the Faded Four, I, I had no idea that this is what you guys meant. <laughs> you know, uh, I have that. It was it was fantastic. It was so fantastic that after it happened, they decided to homebrew an item, um, specifically because of that. And give me one second, and I will tell you what that item was that they had brewed up. Is it a hand axe that teleports back to you after you throw it? Uh, unfortunately, not. Okay, because I've had that <laughs> item before, and it's actually awesome. <laughs> Too good. Three powerful. It, it was it was very powerful. I uh, was running a it was a it was a campaign set on Zendikar, and I was playing a goblin barbarian, Totem of the Bear, and I had a hand axe that um, when I threw it, I could teleport it back to me, or I could teleport to it. So kind of like the Shadow Blade spell, but with a buff. Oh, because that needed I needed a buff for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shadowblade is garbage, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a terrible <laughs> spell. I don't know why anybody uses it. True Strike is better. Oh. <laughs> uh... mm. For some reason, I can't get this to load, so I can pull up that item. But basically, what it is, is it's an item that states, if you throw a hand axe, you have to take your turn to go and pick it up. <laughs> it's like curse. <laughs> It's like compulsion. <laughs> Just imagine someone like a contractor, they get like some stupid power, they can make like tornadoes of fire, but like their 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 contract, their price is to go pick up an axe they've thrown. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, the show was good. I always wanted to do a uh to do a riff on the magic system that way and uh adopt the uh, darker than black magic system where the cost for doing any given spell was not like whatever the actual ma uh, material components were but was some arbitrary you know remuneration uh, yeah, uh based on my whims and the, the chaos of being a dm <laughs> but you'd have to do the same darker than black consistency so With like one power it's it's one power and like spells are like a unique usage of that power and it's the same cost every time. <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. and see this I have extreme interest in the deck of many things because mm -hmm. of the unknown chaos that it can bring and uh, I was listening to another podcast that brought it in and it was the first time I actually got to hear it in a game, like I've heard the the uh, our group talk about it when they had it, mm -hmm. but I I never knew anything that it could do and things like that. Oh boy! And <laughs> in this pot and in this podcast, um, behold the role. They made some adjustments to it, you know, based on their campaign and all that. Needless to say, it didn't end very well for one of them. And it Never just, does. it made me, it, it made me want to bring it into a game just for the chaos. Oh, uh, it never ends well.
<laughs> Not once has the deck of many things ended well for anyone involved. That is what I've heard everyone say, and it does not make me any less interested. Everyone wants to try their, you know, everyone wants to shoot their shot, man. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it goes. Everyone thinks they're going to beat the odds, and somehow they never do. Hey, uh, when it comes to odds and statistics, Eustace has a plus one dex modifier. I, I'm like a plus 600 when it comes to dex abilities. I've only failed like two checks. Jeez. Very nimble. <laughs> I wish I had that luck. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is, is the first time I failed it was the actual time I, I needed to not fail. And it's it, it, it's quite funny that I've always passed on these stupid, like my backflips that don't even matter. And I, I would pass. But then in the middle of a combat, I'm trying to do some kind of dexterous move, and I fall flat on my face. <laughs> Consistent. Oh my god. Sounds about right. Ooh. One episode. One episode example. I did a backflip, and I barely made it. And uh, we actually had a guest on this episode, Tony from uh, All Flex No Decks. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. His character wanted to do a backflip with me, so I had to make another dex check immediately right after I barely passed the first one. I rolled well enough to do it for us both. That's excellent. <laughs> so, oh, that's folks. great. So, circling back to the one shot that we ran, um, <laughs> one of the things that did stand out to me is the um, is the, the fi- finale, obviously. Um, so two things kind of came up there that I thought was interesting. Of course, there was the Trent the Turncoat. Um, so I was hoping that you could kind of talk a little bit about like what kind of led into that. Was that something that Trent brought to you early on? Uh... So whenever I first mentioned uh, doing this uh, one shot, he come to me that he wanted his character to be the villain. And I've I made multiple changes to this thing and at the at the finale i decided to just do the bullet points so i would stress less and make it more fun for everyone and in the process of that i would 100% completely forgot trenton wanted to be the villain so i had to <laughs> implement it in within 5 minutes before starting the session <laughs> oh no <laughs> that's amazing explains why he wasn't really present for very much of it and and, and honestly that was 100 percent unintentional like i felt so bad that's why at the end after he had left i felt so terrible that he'd literally been basically left out the entire game i wanted him to have some kind of relevance there at the end mm-hmm. and i I, I I specifically made him go to fall off the cliff to give him the end that he wanted, and then you, <laughs> you come up in there in two foot one style. It's just like nobody, you die when I say to. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Trent. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean. It. I thought it was all part of the game. I'm so sorry. You're the worst, Owen. I am. <laughs> 
I mean, that was the whole reason why I gave Rob that weapon that gave him the wish spell. And the whole prophecy wasn't necessarily meant for Trenton, but to kind of make it relevant, I used him as part of it. Funny enough, with me being the DM of the one-shot and me being the DM of the home game, that prophecy's still there at no end's peak because he fell, right? Mm-hmm. He fell through the fog, but you don't know what happened afterwards. Oh, yeah, it's like Disney villains. He's going to show up in the sequel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be disappointed if he didn't. Honestly. Oh... <laughs> uh... But the funny thing is, is when he comes back, though, he'll be an NPC. <laughs> or does he have to be? <laughs> hmm. I guess he doesn't, but that just depends on how well Trenton can play two characters at once. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm not sure if you know this story or not, but I've actually done something similar where I had one of my player characters be the uh, the final villain. It's true! I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Please elaborate. So it was a uh, it was a different Sagas campaign. My friend Bobby was playing, and uh, so we played the first. I want to say it was like what five ish sessions, Marvin. Before Bobby joined, yeah, it was like ten. Like it was it was a decent chunk. Yeah, it was a few months, right? Yeah. So we played a few months. We're playing the Star Wars game, and uh, Marvin, do you want to kind of walk him through like what the setup of the of the party texture was? Uh, sure. Alright, so this campaign was set during the dark times, right? So, after episode 3, before episode 4. Um, the party setup was, there was an NPC who was the captain of the ship, who we found out later was a secret Jedi. Um, there was the NPC who, like, maintained the ship. And I think he was also the pilot, uh, who was not a secret Jedi, but Max Powers was so great. Um, (laughs) So good. There was me. I was also a secret Jedi. Um, There was Chris, who was playing a Twi'lek scoundrel. Sean, who was playing a... I want to say 12-year-old Togruta gunslinger. Togruta is what Ahsoka and Shakti are. There was the other Chris who was playing... Oh, I don't even remember what race Rave was. Rave was human. Rave was a human? All right. He was he was like a, a soldier-type guy. He had guns. He was, um, a, uh, he was a droid hunter. Specifically a droid hunter, because I remember the ion rifle. Um, there was Vicky, who played Senny, a... I want to say she was human. I, I'm pretty sure she was human. She was also human, yeah. Um, she was, like, kind of a Gish character. She had, um... She had, like, a vibroblade and a blaster pistol that she, like, dual-wielded, and she had a robot arm. That was sick. Um... Yeah, the blade was built into her arm, like, Edward Elk style. Yeah! Yeah, that was dope. Um, there was John, who was also a human and a heavy weapons expert. Um, he was usually the gunner on the ship. Alvis was a Bothan? Yes, a Bothan. 
And I remember Andre played, but I don't remember his character at all because I think he only played one or two sessions. Ooh, wait, hold on. No. What did Andre play? Oh, no, that's going to bother me. Because <laughs> right. I know he was there. Yeah, no, he 100% was there, but I don't. Uh, you're right. I don't remember his character at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I might, you know what? I actually might have the, um, I know for a fact that I have the, uh, a picture of the ship somewhere Uh huh. and that had all of the quarters listed out, but I don't know if that happened before or after he left. So it might be. Oh, there. that was a lot of players regardless. So kudos for remembering all that. Oh, I oh it yeah. Was, it was a lot, dude. It was, I mean, ugh. To be fair, these are all like people that I was like very close friends with at the time. I'm still very close friends with a lot of them. So like I'm not going to forget them and they all served a purpose in the party and I kind of missed <laughs> when any one of them was missing because I was like I can't use this person to do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that was one thing that I had to say a lot, because there was almost always at least one person missing. Oh my god, I still have, you, you, I still have Max Power's, uh, his, uh, sheet. I just oh my it. god. That actually brings up a question I have for the both of you, if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. When it, so, going into character creation, on, on that line you just said, mm -hmm. the guy wasn't there for the thing I wanted him to do. Uh-huh. So, what's interesting is, is I have a tendency when creating my characters, I try to be like, I'm going to be good at all these things. <laughs> instead that, of just... Hold that thought, JD. He was a Zabrik named Doran Gray. Zabrik! I... See, I remember that him and Alvis had the same last name, but one was an E and one was an A. But I could not, for the life of me, remember anything else about that character. Yeah, it's Doran Gray. <laughs> Anyways, carry on, JD. I'm sorry. I just I, I just found the sheet, and I just needed to share. Uh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. So, so I tend to make my characters good at a lot of things instead of focusing on one thing. And every time I want to focus on the one thing that I'm actually good at, like, I don't know, I'm very good with persuasion and intimidation. And in every circumstance to where I needed to utilize those skills, mm -hmm. a horrible <laughs> just horrible they are they are my best modifiers and they're they're my worst results <laughs> i know that feeling very well boy sometimes that just happens oh <laughs> uh, i hate it so i've learned becoming a more experienced player like I need to just start picking certain things my character is good at because that's what the rest of the party's for. But it's always in the back of my mind, that line that you just said, the guy's not here to do the thing I need him to do. Um, I am a strong believer that if your party doesn't function without a single person missing, that's kind of on the GM. Because, like... Ultimately, the adventure should be fun, whether or not you have everyone. Um, and if somebody is missing for that day or for a month or whatever, the GM kind of has to compensate for that. 
in the way they run the session, even if they didn't compensate for when they were planning it. And it's not like I was like, oh man, we just can't do things without this person ever. It was always, oh man, I really wish like Senny was here to stab somebody so we don't have to draw this out any longer. Or the one time we had to fight droids, the, the droid hunter guy wasn't there. So like, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Yeah, where it's like it's like it's not like those things didn't still get resolved, right? It wasn't like oh we're just stonewalled, or even more like oh man I I'm missing I wish we he was here to role play with because like that happens sometimes too. Oh yeah, but it was definitely like as a DM, it's definitely kind of on you. And like case in point, right? So um, a bunch of these players ended up dropping out of the campaign variously throughout, and mm-hmm. um, two of them, um, Chris who played Rave and um, and Vicky who played Senny. Um, that's the droid hunter and the uh, stabby stab girl respectively um they just stopped showing up to my campaign right just straight up like with very minimal communication just stopped showing up they had some stuff going on right Mm -hmm. this was a problem because i was in the middle of a dungeon and not just any dungeon my magnum opus like it was a planet-sized dungeon beautiful it was a planet-sized dungeon that took six months to play through oh wow like not kidding like the first three floors had no atmosphere they were straight up in (laughs) in uh spacesuits right so like they just stopped showing up and i needed to explain why like because i'm not going to role play their characters for the rest of this (laughs) campaign because this is where the campaign was ending on this planet Mm -hmm. i'm not going to do that so i'm like all right they're just going to go back to the ship and that's where they're going to be and that's what i ended up doing with everybody who stopped showing up was just they went back to the ship (laughs) Well, that's just like um, a couple episodes ago. I left and went on vacation uh, to Louisiana, and the guys actually played Eustace for me while I was gone. Oh, that must be weird. Oh, I I cannot wait for this to come out, Mm -hmm. because good lord, I don't... (laughs) The voice interpretations that I got <laughs> clips of. <laughs> Wills. <laughs> his, his could be bad <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> and, and when I heard Rob's, I, I literally fell to the floor on my back laughing so hard <laughs> because I, I could tell he was trying <laughs> super hard to pull it off. <laughs> and it, it, it was it was just fantastic to hear. But uh, I, I guess more or less that what my question was was uh, going back to the whole character creation thing. When you make a character, do you guys typically focus on certain things or do you try to make your character more rounded? Um, I'll go first, I guess. Um, it depends on the character. Like, for sure, there are some characters that I want to be, like, super hyper-focused. Um, but there's definitely characters where I'm like, I want to be kind of good at most things. My last character that I played with, Owen, Gris Zirkin, um he started off as like kind of focused on just just magic and over the course of the campaign i made him more well-rounded um to the point that in the last battle i think 
I attacked more times than I cast spells. That is factual. You cast, I think, two spells and you attacked like five, six times. Yeah, like it got to the point where I was like, okay, I don't need to just do magic anymore. This is cool. Um, whereas at first it was just, I'm going to do lightning bolt. And I kind of stuck with that. <laughs> Even still, if I was going to do an attack spell, it was usually going to be lightning bolt. But it was it was kind of like a happy middle ground between focusing on one thing and being broadly good at a lot of things. Yeah, but like that's not without concessions, right? Like mm -hmm. you're because the thing is like with the way that five E is set up is when you make the decision to kind of be an all rounder, you're sacrificing raw power in that instance. Yeah. And I think it's pretty clear based on like the way that encounter ran, is that like your damage output was clearly suboptimal. You were clearly playing at that point a character that was more built around the story of that character as opposed to any sort of like mechanical advantage you had gained from being a melee adjacent character. For sure. Um, which, you know, that's how I tend to do everything in D&D &D anyways. <laughs> I rarely go for mechanical efficiency and most tabletops, honestly. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I never, like, sort of optimize for a thing, especially with, like, Star Wars. I often go in. But, you know, it like I said, it depends on which character I'm playing and what I'm going for with that specific one. I got you. Yeah, I'm kind of of a similar mind. I'm not opposed to running all-rounders, but I find that for for me... I typically build based off of whatever the character concept is, regardless whether or not that's like mechanically optimal. So like case in point for Saga's edition, my longest run character that I've ever played, um, Deja, was a Gungan medic as he started out. And that's notable in that edition, of, in Saga's edition, because Gungans have a minus two to their wisdom as just a racial modifier, a species modifier, I should say. Um, and medics are a class that keys off of wisdom. So, like, I'm very clearly suboptimal by design, right? Um, mm hmm But I still focused on the things that I could... Like, I was as good as I could be at the things that I was good at. Um, so, obviously, like, anytime you sit down to play Star Wars and you're not playing a Jedi, you have to have some good reasons for that. <laughs> so, um, so I, <laughs> Fair. So, fair point. Yeah, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to build a war vet. Like, that's what I wanted to play. I wanted to play, like, a, like a, a Vietnam War veteran, basically. Um so like that's what i what i played to I, I played to him in his mannerisms in the way that he attacked situations in his stats in his like the way that he played all those things um but i've had other characters too where like i'm much more focused on like the one thing that they're good at but the the nugget in the way that i decide is always based off of like partly party composition but really it just comes down to like how i want that character to play and how i envision them being able to handle situations yeah, so off my my soul two characters for the campaigns I've, that we've been running, mm -hmm. the first one I built in based on it, it, the character, uh, you know, he barbarian, so of course he was going to be strong as a bugbear. Uh, I made him acrobatic, and of course they're, you know, naturally stealthy, so... Those were really the only three key things I went with with that character. And then for Campaign 2, Eustace, 
I, with the mindset I had with his backstory and everything, I'm like, well, he's got to kind of be able to survive on his own. So he needs to have a little bit of something of, you know, a little bit of something of different things. So I thought making him a people person and giving him persuasion and intimidation would help him along his journey. And then all the other little things that I've thrown in are just fun little quirks that I've just kind of ran with. Yeah, and I think that's a fine place to start, right? Like you pick a handful of things that you're good at mechanically and the rest of it you can kind of just roll with. Um, I, I don't, th- I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with running it that way. Uh, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, again, kind of just a- learning who the character is over time. Cause like, that's the thing is like, nobody starts off knowing who their PC is. Like you kind of have to learn who they are with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't, I don't know if either Marvin or I talking about that helped you at all <laughs> as far as like how to decide what to do. Um, but usually I start with like a character concept before I before I get in and I'll try to optimize as much as I can because I tend to find myself I, I tend to enjoy the combat aspect of the game. So I try to make sure my character can usually hold their own in those in those circumstances. I'd say with the notable exception of the one time I played Kimberly in Sagas. Um that was like the one character I ever played that was not competent in combat at all. <laughs> <laughs> which is well, funny because Kimberly was super dangerous in FMA during combat I mean in my, well, in my defense I did bring down a whole building <laughs> that's true we, we were fighting a boss and instead of attacking the boss I, I asked to roll some checks to see if I could identify the load bearing structure parts of the structure and I just put a bunch of bombs on those and detonated them <laughs> look out below we mm-hmm. were in the skyscraper on Coruscant, I think. No, it was Nelhutta. It was. Um, I want to say it was Nelhutta. Anyway, no, because because the name of the planet we were on was in the name of the campaign. You're right. I don't recall what it was, but the point being is that it was a very large built, large like skyscraper type structure that. Mm-hmm. I, I dropped a skyscraper on top of this bad guy, not because he was I needed to do that to kill him, but because that was the only way I could meaningfully contribute. <laughs> well, I mean, your opinions just helped me double down on the the <laughs> way I I build my characters. So, I I, I, I you know I appreciate your uh, your insight into that. <laughs> I will stay strong in how I perform with my characters in my opinion just oh yeah just own it when you're bad at stuff <laughs> that's all you have all i have to do to have fun man just if you know you're bad at a thing just lean right into it oh yeah and i i don't have no problem with with the with doing so and i think it's funny that how I've built this character to be good at those things. I'm needing to be good at those things. And every time I make an attempt at being good at those things, I just keep making the situations worse. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, it's so fun because it's not intentional. It's just how the dice fall. And it, Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a blast. 
and I don't I don't want to change it in in any way. Like I could have made my character more optimal by choosing my paladin class before my sorcerer class, but with my storyline that didn't make sense. So I did nerf myself a tad bit by going into sorcerer before paladin. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just gotta make those decisions though, where it's like you recognize like this is gonna make my build worse, but it's more interesting for the character. Or it makes more sense in the story. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I, I wouldn't change any one of my characters. I, I I've enjoyed all of my characters so far. Which is as it should be. Like if you're not enjoying your character, what's the point of playing it? Exactly. So it occurs to me just now that we didn't actually finish the story. We just kind of went over the character <laughs> breakdown of the uh, campaign where, uh, where, where Bob oh. is my bad guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we had done some stuff and one thing led to another. And that's a thing that people say all the time. But like it really just was one thing leading to another. And um, we got arrested and I think at this same time, Alvis said he had to drop out of the campaign. Um, yeah. So the guy who arrested us, one of his guards shot Alvis's character in the back when he tried to escape prison. Um, and then I think... I think, if I remember correctly, Bobby was not the guy who arrested us. He was not. But he was... But he was helping us get out. Like, he, he helped talk our way out of it. And by that, we later found out he kind of just mind-tricked them. If I remember right. That is correct. And he he said he will get us out if we help him um, do this thing. His dad was dying of some unknown disease, and this planet had the cure. Um... And the planet was super evil and dark sidey. And um, that was when we found out the captain was a secret Jedi. And that's when some of the party found out I was a secret Jedi because some of the other party members found out earlier. Ironically, neither um, nor the captain knew that each other were secret Jedi. So somehow in the dark times, we had this weird situation where there were multiple secret Jedis on one spacecraft and nobody knew. <laughs> Yeah, it was wild. In fact, I remember that scene very clearly, because you're like, all right, everybody, I need to tell you guys something. I'm a Jedi. And then the captain's like, well, this is awkward. And he just puts his lightsaber on the table. Mm-hmm. It was great. <laughs> that sounds like a basket of chaos. It was wild. It got so much worse. Because, um, like, I was like, I'm a Jedi. And, like, I think two or three people had seen me do Force Powers before that, like, straight up, because we were put in a situation where I just couldn't not, um, and I just, I... die? (laughs) Huh? It was like that or someone dies. Yeah, it was, it was either I do Force Lightning or somebody dies, was the actual situation. I was like, well, none of my people are dying, and that's all that matters to me right second there's nobody around right um so some of the party saw me do that and then out of character everyone knew even though it wasn't supposed to be public information because i think andre looked at my character sheet 
even though he was explicitly told we shouldn't look at anyone's character sheets. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it was like, Spoiler part of the thing was that, part of the thing when we started the campaign was that if anyone was a Jedi, we wanted it to be like, actually secret from everyone out of character and in character until something happens to make it known like it was like this is my character sheet don't look at it please i might be a jedi he was like look it says jedi right there and i was like you piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) so ironically this this rule continued (laughs) through to the end of the campaign What was that? I was saying, funnily enough, that rule actually continued well beyond when everybody thought it was relevant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were saying JD, man? Er- yeah, I-, I was just going to say that's just like um, they went into one of my character sheets and changed one of my character one of my character names just to be funny, and they did it more than once. Oof. Man, that sounds ripe for revenge. Break their legs. I mean, what? Hey, doing it is jokes on me, making fun of me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So I, I, I know my character's name. It's all that matters. <laughs> As does everybody else, really. <laughs> so we end up having my friend Bob join. And at the time, he was... Well, like, when he joined initially... I played it straight. Like, he's coming in, his character has a new direction to go, he's gonna hire the party to go save his grandpa who's sick, and all of it was a big fat lie. 100% of it. There was not a single thing in what he told us in his first session that was true. Because in actuality, I had my friend Bob join the campaign playing the main antagonist, who was a shapeshifter. And uh... a <laughs> and a Jedi <laughs> should be noted. So that actually brings another question, because you said shapeshifter. What what did you think about how I rolled uh, in the one shot with uh, Trenton's character Guile? Uh, because he was a shapeshifter, I had his body just transfigured to avoid the arrow shot. I was indifferent to it, honestly. Like we were getting towards the end of the end of the of the night, so I was kind of indifferent to whatever happened at that point. We had already killed the dragon. I, I couldn't imagine much shells that could have happened. Well, I just thought it was an interesting twist because he rolled. He didn't roll high enough to hit, so I just thought that would be a good way to flavor the miss. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, as long as it's not affecting anything mechanically, I think any flavoring works in any situation that makes sense for that character. Yeah, 100%. Like, well, that was one of the things I wanted to mention uh, during the game, but I didn't because I wasn't running it. But when Rob was like, oh, can we, like, retcon so that all of my attacks hit? Like, I just wanted to shout out, like, guys, do you do know that, like, the attack rolls are abstractions of what's actually happening, right? Like, it's not literally one hit to, like, one attack roll. Like, the attack roll dealing damage is representative of the abstract concept of you making multiple attacks, and some of them exhausting the opponent enough to where you may be able to hurt them, right? Like, like none of the attacks technically need to hit in order for your character to land attacks, like, you know, from a flavor perspective. 
So when he's like, can I just retcon? It's like, bro, you just like crit the dragon. You can hit it as many times as you want and do whatever you'd like. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a fair point. That is a very fair point. Because that's the thing is like, I see that like people fall into that because they get to, they tend to associate like the hit points are like literal, like I get hit. But like that, that breaks down once you get past like level three, because then at that point you, get, you can take like multiple attacks from a sword. And it's like, I don't know about you, man, but have you ever been cut by anything? Because it sucks. I can't imagine getting stabbed multiple times with anything, much less a three-foot blade. Mm-hmm. So, 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 like, it, it tends to be just, like, abstractions. At least that's the way that I have always understood it to be. You know, that, like, um, if I hit with an attack roll, it's, it's not even necessarily dealing damage. It could just be the other person getting more tired. I want to say in 3.5... That was like actually explicitly said, like an attack roll isn't always just one swing of a sword or one arrow. It is uh it's representative, like you said, of like all of the things you're doing in combat to try to hit with that thing. Yeah, it's like how armor class is an abstraction, you know? It's like you're not yeah. literally standing there and they hit you and it bounces off your armor. It's like you're dodging, you're deflecting, you're parrying, you're doing all of these things in the theater of the mind. Oh, actually, yeah. you know what? It's actually the Star Wars Saga Edition book that actually explicitly says that. I see. We played that system a lot, you might have gathered. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. There, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I didn't even watch any star wars until i got with my wife she was a star wars fan i grew up a harry potter fan so i see so full disclosure i hadn't either before i started playing sagas edition oh wow i gotta say though i binged we we binged all of them because i bought the uh blu-ray disc set of them and mm-hmm. we binged, we binged, watched all of them. Jar Jar is, I, I, lo- I like Jar Jar. He's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I told you my longest played character was a literal Gungan. <laughs> <laughs> With the Misas and everything. He, yep. he did, he did do the Misas. <laughs> That's, that is fantastic. I really wished I could have heard that. I think I might still have the dialogue because we played the first a few sessions uh, or we played the first session was live. And then I think the next like 30 or something were online. So I'm almost sure that I have the chat log from at least one of them. I know for sure I do. If my old laptop still boots up. Oh, hey, yeah, I, I definitely have some of them here. I uh, got one from 1031. So that's what. Oh, my. 11 years. Oh, ago. my God. 11 and a half years. I don't know if that's my earliest log that I have. I think the the earliest one I had is from September 4th, 2011. Which might have been the first time that we played. Online? Online, yeah. Because we started that campaign shortly after you moved back from Vegas the first time. Which would have been and around September. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been around then. Because I know I was, uh, I was back in town for Thanksgiving that year. Oh, like August at the earliest? Yeah. This isn't that session. No, it must have been earlier. Because it must have been earlier then. Because this, uh, this campaign 
this chat log still has Shin in it, and that he ha- he joined much later. But nevertheless, that's way off topic. Um, my my point, JD, being that you know I definitely understand not being like super familiar with the um with like the source material and going in kind of kind of blind. The reason I picked a Gungan, full disclosure, because I think the first three prequel films were the only ones I had watched from front to back. I didn't. I never watched the original trilogy at that point. That's wild. Or I think I may have seen the uh, episode four, but like it was probably once, and I only barely remembered it. So, are we sure you're a real person? I I I think I am more real than some of the people that we played sagas with. You know uh, that may or may not be true. You know the biggest shock to me in the whole Star Wars things was uh, them having Samuel Jackson play uh, uh, Windu. <laughs> it's even better because they created the character around Sam Jackson. <laughs> it's not even like like they had him play a character it's they made this character with the explicit intention of having sam jackson play it (laughs) that does make it better just like nick fury in the mcu purple lightsaber and everything actually he he would not play uh he would not play mace windu unless his lightsaber could be purple yeah they didn't have like a specific color they wanted to give him they just figured they would do blue or green or whatever and he was like, yeah, I'll do it. If you make my lightsaber purple. <laughs> and George Lucas was like, I couldn't say no. What am I supposed <laughs> to do? Tell Sam Jackson he can't have a purple lightsaber? Well, I mean, to be fair, they, they come in red, green, blue. That was it and at the time. Isn't it? Okay, I thought there was two more colors. I mean, there are a um, lot of colors now, but at the time, so it was there just was three. There was four, four normalish colors: uh, red, green, blue, and yellow. But in movies, we had only seen red, green, and blue. Okay. See, I thought there was yellow, but again, I'm not super familiar with the the lore, so I, I won't mm-hmm. speak. I won't speak unless I know. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Like it. It was correct. You were right. There was. There was a couple other colors. Um, yeah, it was like orange and then out there. They did orange and like weird shades afterwards. Or maybe just before they started filming episode one. Maybe. I'm not sure when some of those books came out. Yeah. I, 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 I've not watched the last, I think, two or three once disney took over i i i didn't uh i didn't continue forward uh that's probably for the best yeah i didn't watch episode nine either um i will say i very much enjoyed episode seven uh mostly for the nostalgia trip of like seeing star wars in a theater for the first time since i was a, a small child Eight tried to do some interesting things, um, and then nine kind of just shot the bed. They were they were trying to fix the things that they didn't like about episode eight, and in doing so, made episode eight basically not exist. Except, spoilers: Luke still dies. He deserved it. Uh, yeah, he's a Jedi like his father before him. Attempted child murder and everything. So speaking of child murder, um, wait a minute. Are we talking <laughs> about Shin? 
<laughs> no, but that is a great segue that I am not gonna I'm not gonna share that story on air though. Um, <laughs> I think we already have. I'm I'm not gonna do it again. So <laughs> if it's buried in the back catalog, I'll let somebody else go look for it because I'm not gonna repeat it here. Uh, All right. Anyway, I want to just finish the story of how my bad guy became my how my player character became my bad guy. And basically it's throughout the entirety of the campaign after Bob joined, whenever like things would happen, he was the one who was who was like fixing things without letting the players know or like doing things without letting the players know. So at one point they like captured one of his minions and he like strangled them basically. Um mm-hmm. while he was doing guard. And the rest of the party is just like how did she how did she strangle to death on a sock? She was tied up. And they're like, I don't know. Roll for biology, I guess. Biology. Is it possible for someone to swallow their own sock? It's like, technically, yes. It's like, okay. Our best theory is that she's a contortionist who had a death wish. Don't know. <laughs> oh god. Um But the actual answer, of course, is just that uh that Bob killed her before she shared too much. Um, so when we got to the the final dungeon um, on Osis, um, it was a planet-sized dungeon. Again, it took us like six months to get through. Although that's a little misleading because we had a few, a few like a month-long break or two um, between there. But it still took like a lot of sessions to get through. I want to say it was like ten plus. Uh, Marvin, correct me if I'm wrong. It was like fourteen. It's a long time to spend in a single dungeon. Let me just put it that way. Hella. Um, so, um, so they're going through, and are you familiar with Magic the the, the Gathering's um, Phyrexia at all? Like the original Phyrexia? I'm not. Okay. Uh, so the original Phyrexia is modeled after Dante's Inferno um, with nine spheres. Um, now I am familiar with Dante's Inferno. Great. Okay. So then you know everything you need to know about this. Um, this dungeon was set up similarly, where there was nine concentric spheres of this planet that they were traveling through to get from one to from one to the next, and they had to get to the core where the quote unquote cure was uh, that Bobby's character was looking for. Well, ipso facto, the cure was actually a MacGuffin that had an evil Sith spirit inside. Um, but uh, but we did end up doing a reveal, I think, just beforehand right it was like right before it was, the final room it was as we were walking into the final room because yeah, the like, fight with bobby happened in the room with the macguffin right 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 so um you guys passed from sphere three through sphere two which was just like a sphere made of like force energy basically and materialized mm-hmm. inside the the final room basically and what I had everyone do was I sent everybody home with a short with a short writing assignment, which is not something I recommend for most people, but luckily the players were pretty into it at the time. Um, and basically I said, all right, everybody, I need everyone to write a short story of their character from before they joined the crew of the ship. And I wrote uh, a story for the captain of the ship, the, um, the uh, NPC captain of the ship. I wrote his story for him. And Bobby wrote the same story but from his character's perspective because as it turns out the main antagonist that bobby was playing was the npc captain's former master um except he had fallen to the dark side and the the captain who was the the padawan learner had not so um so basically we both wrote the same story but from differing perspectives and what we did is uh when we passed through the second layer um on our way to the final layer 
um, I had everybody uh, roll a dice and then swap with a random person at the table. So basically, we did like a like a uh, like a mind meld, where like everybody's memories got kind of jumbled up a little bit, and uh, everybody got to read through a little short excerpt of somebody else's backstory uh, from a time that they I still have mine. Oh, really? That's awesome. I didn't know. Yeah, it. I saved it in uh, Google Drive originally, and it's just still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's how we did the reveal, because everybody then started saying, like, oh, I guess I remember yours, I guess I remember yours. And then when, noticeably, Bobby's character's you know cover story didn't show up, there was some concerns. Just a little bit. <laughs> Gotta love those dark twist stories. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he decapitated the NPC captain um, immediately. So um, so yeah, that happened. Uh, one of the other player characters uh, took the evil Sith spirit into their soul, uh, and one of the dead player characters uh, became a Force ghost and bargained with that with that evil Sith spirit, which. The evil Sith spirit was his previous PC, so that was interesting. Yeah. Wow. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> I forgot that for a minute. You, you, keep, on, you keep on telling me stuff. I, I, I really need to hear this. Sounds so interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, so this was a, the this Dark Times campaign was like a legacy campaign where, like, we picked it up. Um, the dark it was the dark times set in the same universe that our original campaign was set in which was set in like the kotor times if i remember right like knights of the old republic well well back in the past it, so, it was kotor times and there was like whole different like polit- geopolitical aspects um because that campaign was also a legacy campaign of some, uh one the dm had played yeah, so the short version is that the evil Sith spirit inside the holocron was John, who was playing the gunner. His character had died on the on the third floor, um, unfortunately. So he became a force ghost, even though he wasn't force sensitive, because this is an evil effing planet. I don't know what to tell you. And I didn't want him to be absent for the final session, so I had him come back as a force ghost. And so basically on it, on his turn as an, as a uh, force ghost, he asked to enter the holocron and bargain with the Sith spirit to try and, and get its help, which I didn't anticipate, but was really cool. So I let it happen. And the Sith spirit inside <laughs> was the character he played during that previous legacy campaign after they had fallen to the dark side and become a, a, an evil Sith. So it was weird playing his character while bargaining with him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool. Really fun campaign. Um, I'd say the only other notable thing that happened that I'd say is like a fun like feather in my cap is I managed to introduce not one but two new PCs in the middle of that dungeon planet, which like given the setup is not easy to do. <laughs> yeah, I uh, honestly still not sure how they got there. <laughs> well, I think that the um, the explanation I gave at the time was that they were the A team. Where, like, the main bad guy had contracted a different band of heroes to enter this dungeon to try and get the MacGuffin. Like, just legitimately. But they didn't make it. They didn't come back up. So that's when he he went to the to the main players to try and get them to help him do it himself. Yeah, but, like, are we sure that that's really what happened? <laughs> because you're telling me that Alan was the A-team and I wasn't. I mean, sometimes you meet the A team before you meet a better B team. 
<laughs> it's like, look, I just went for the first guys that I found, right? I'm not saying they were the best for the job, but they're the first that said yes. <laughs> Everybody uh... else rightfully identified this as a suicide mission and said no. So, <laughs> oh man, um, it, it was definitely something. So, um, so JD, I know that we were like very well off topic, but um, circling back to the one shot that you ran, um, we chewed through that dragon pretty quickly. How has it been? Uh, how was it DMing for a party of a significantly higher level versus DMing for presumably lower levels that you're doing right now at the home campaign? Um, big difference with the with the final boss in the one shot. I did nerf it. Really, with all the combat, I, I I nerfed all the creatures. Like they they all could have did more than what they did, but with time restraints again just trying to get through and with that dragon i was actually surprised it went as long as it did even with the nerfs that i had made to it uh but i will say low level combat way easier so much easier (laughs) you you have so less to take in account for versus higher level combat because with higher level combat comes bigger and better things and when you don't know all those bigger and better things it can throw you through the ringer (laughs) yeah (laughs) for sure especially when you have players who are like pretty tuned right like build wise because like in 5e you can pump out a lot of damage in a round um with like particular builds so it it definitely becomes situations where like you have to really be mindful of the action economy and like really figure out like how much damage is my party actually doing potentially. Uh, anytime Will is a player, from what I've experienced, super rude, super nasty, super super strong. Doesn't matter the level. <laughs> is Will a power gamer? Wild. Is that what I'm hearing? Is he a what? A, a power gamer? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, oh, yeah, mm. Sounds like that's what we're hearing. I'm not hearing a no. <laughs> <laughs> he he's very good uh uh character building in D and tell you. And very good at the game in itself. And um he's made some pretty nasty characters like um my first not my very first character but I was invited into a one-shot that I wasn't planned for. Will had made four different characters for this one-shot. And it was uh, random. We all had to out of the hat for what character we were getting. Mm-hmm. And I wound up drawing a, uh, the one of the characters he had made a build for. So I just basically took his build to play this character and it was a um paladin warlock with the uh, hexblade's curse yeah it's a powerful combination oh it was it was uh, very nasty very very nasty i i don't even think i was pap- uh pumping out max damage and i was i was doing some mean things <laughs> yeah i can really chew through characters for sure uh but you know I, I find that i find it interesting you know the different combinations of character builds that you can do like 
I am looking forward to the day I play a druid and a warlock. <laughs> Funny story about that, Marvin. <laughs> right now, I am playing a druid for the first time, and I just multiclassed into warlock. <laughs> Dude, that is amazing. I lied. This is not my first time playing druid. This is my first time playing druid for more than one session for the character. <laughs> Well, if it makes you feel any better, I, I have a character that's a rogue, and he's basically Batman. <laughs> I, I had no intention of it. It's just how it happened. That's great. Oh, my God. oh I've been Batman before. I'll never like, be Batman. Like, it, it was super, un, super unintentional. They just kind of made it out to like, man, you sound like Batman. I was like, look, dude, I'm trying here. <laughs> Man, doing distinct voices is really tough. <laughs> no, I mean, Basil's winning again. I'm sorry, I'm just upset. It it can it can be, but my voices, I, literally, I try to practice, but I most of the time don't come up with their voice till I'm in and I'm playing the character and I get a feel mm-hmm. of the of the story and how I'm feeling as my character in that moment. And the prime example, when, when we did uh campaign two um, talks before the actual start of the sessions, I, we were in the middle of our interview and out of nowhere, I just started talking in a character voice and I sounded like Bobby Boucher from the water boy. <laughs> and I thought it I thought it was really good but that's not the voice I stuck with for that character yeah I find that like even if even if you don't have a big range like as far as like the different literal voices you can do you can still get a lot done with just like your dialect right just like your word choice things like that um, can really go a long way towards helping make like player characters and to an extent NPCs feel like different people because i don't consider myself someone who has like a great range as far as like different literal voices i can do but i do try to at least when it comes to npcs marvin can correct me if he feels differently um, i try my best to make those npcs feel distinct from one another with the way that they talk the way that they communicate um, and the way that they kind of interact with with the player characters um, and other npcs for that matter um yeah you definitely do try and i think you do a pretty good job honestly i mean i thought your character voice for the one shot was phenomenal let me just say i'm really happy that i don't have to do it for more than like three or four hours at a time because boy that it it hurt my voice a lot more than Mm -hmm. i thought it would (laughs) (laughs) well i mean uh rob had that problem with albie and he had to change his character's voice and Mm. what i what i found funny was he went with like a country kind of dialect to match me and uh, Trenton's character, or, <laughs> or Trenton's and my my character. And it's so funny that now Bryn is the odd man out when it comes to the voice. <laughs> that is funny though. We uh, were we were we were literally in the middle of recording a, the session, and he's just like, guys, I'm sorry, I. I I, I just can't. I can't do this. My, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like I, I get it. I, I definitely had a uh, an NPC that I wrote out of the story just so they wouldn't have to do their voice anymore. 
Which one? Uh, so it was Gilligan, the uh, greatest swordsmith in all of Sequester. Really? Yeah, yeah, because his voice sounded like this, and I just can't do this voice all the time, you know? Like, I, I really just can't. Like You can't be Yajirobe 24-7? <laughs> no, I couldn't. But I tell you what, when I was playing that character, I straight up grifted um, Andrew out of, into buying a mundane longsword. <laughs> He's like, is it like... That's so rude. Is it especially sharp? I was like, it's sharpest... Like, I, I can't do it anymore, because even now it's hurting my voice, but it's like, sharpest sword, sharpest swords you could find in town. He's like, all right. Like, you know, like he does like a demonstration, cuts through like a piece of paper. He's like, yeah, man, super sharp. Like, you know, he's like, oh, like, how's the craftsmanship? It's like, you, you will not find a, a more finely crafted blade in town. You can look, you can see there's a stamp at the bottom with, you know, GS with his, his, his initials on the bottom. He's like, yeah, you know, it's the best there is. He's like, all right, how much is it? He's like, 20 gold pieces and it's yours. Finest blade you will not find. He's like, all right, sure, I'll buy it. What is it? It's like, you can add a longsword to your inventory. It's not like plus one. Or... No, it's just a longsword. It's a very well-made longsword, but it's just a longsword. That's funny. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> Uh, you know, he still had that longsword. <laughs> like, like, straight up, he still had that. Oh my god. He had that straight up until the until the final session. He still has it on his sheet. That's fucking wild. Oh. Oh, that that's like, um, my, my original weapon of choice. I wanted a mallet. And unfortunately, there's not an actual, like, mallet in D&D. And I wanted it to be like the, uh, it's Stendipole from Dragon Ball Z to where, like, I could make it longer or shorter within reason. Mm -hmm. And I went above and beyond. I'm like, okay, this has to be like my scepter. So I... DM discretion, uh, or I asked the DM discretion in, could I roll for carving this mallet myself? And so basically I took my uh, scepter and wood carved it into a mallet, but it's actually my, my scepter. <laughs> nice. That's great. So um, in my current Saturday campaign that I'm running, um, Simon is playing a uh, a gnome named uh, Finkleton Toastubber, and his warhammer is a meat mallet. Of course it is. <laughs> I can't wait to do a goblin voice. I'm I'm super excited to play a a, a goblin. Goblins are awesome. I love playing goblins. <laughs> <laughs> They're absolutely wonderful, and I have some very fond memories of playing goblins. Um, and honestly, I, I probably will play more goblins again in the future. I, I kind of miss that <laughs> that a uh, chaotic Pathfinder goblin I was playing for your one shot, Marvin. Oh man, that was great! I missed that campaign. <laughs> it was good. It was a good one shot. But um, but yeah, so we're actually coming up on time here, so I'm gonna go ahead and call it. Uh, JD, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Um, it's been really fun having you and just kind of, uh, you know, shooting the shit for a little while. Um, do you want to tell the uh, audience where we can find you? Uh, yeah, uh, I just want to start by saying thank you guys both for so much for having me on as a guest. I had a blast during this time. 
Um, again, my name is JD. You can find me on Twitter at jdizzle42192. Or you can find our podcast group, Stories and Sorceries, at SAS underscore pod. Very nice. Very nice. Well, again, thank you so much, JD. Uh, I had a blast during the one shot. Uh, hopefully it won't be the last time that we uh, find ourselves in a recording together. And uh, yeah, you know, you're always welcome to come back on the show and, uh, and, and spend some more time with us for sure. Um, but in the meantime, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can always catch us. Uh, we're going to have new episodes every couple of weeks here. Um, you can catch us on Twitter at TIAFA Podcast. You can catch me at Vlad Beaver or Marvin at Taiyugetsu. So without further ado, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out with us for a little while. And Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>